We are in Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the book, the end of the chapter, I mean. We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. We started in chapter 5, went through 6, and now we're finishing up 7. This will be our, our last message in this series. We're in verse 24, if you'll follow along with me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Join me in prayer. Dear precious Father, we thank you for your word. And your word is life. Your word is strength, comfort, peace, instruction, admonishment, correction. And it is a good foundation for us, Lord. Help us to appreciate it and apply it. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we continue in this and thinking about, and I've said it several times during this sermon series, just what a capable, wonderful teacher Jesus is. And here he proves it again as he takes a concept that really anybody can understand, even, even the children of the day who, who watch their parents build a home, build something, and, and, and help them do that, understood about a foundation. And we can all understand a foundation. The, earlier this week, uh, trying to find something to watch, I picked out a Superman movie, one with Richard Pryor and, and uh, Kevin Spacey. It was a funny one. But in that movie, they, uh, part of the scene in... in countered the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Has anybody been able to see the Leaning Tower of Pisa in person? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I envy you. I'd like to see that. But in it, Superman kind of got affected by kryptonite, and he straightened the tower up. <laughs> the, the vendor had just gotten all his models made of the Leaning Tower, and now straight, Superman straightens it. He had to crash them. Well, then when Superman got straightened out, he leaned it back. And so the poor vendor now had to throw away all the straight ones. But it, if you know that story, you know that it was started around 1173 A.D. And it had a foundation three meters deep, so about 30 feet, but it was done on unstable soil. So it started leaning pretty quickly. And they went ahead and completed it. They put seven stories into it. It was a bell tower. They put the bells in it. And up until 1990, you could still walk up into it. They since shut it down. But it's a well-known example of a poor foundation. Because while even though they knew to dig deep, they still the soil wasn't able, it wasn't on rock, and the soil wasn't able to do it. So I hope to see that one day, but one that Sue and I both saw is years ago, we went with our, our college choir 
we went and toured England. And we went to Salisbury Cathedral in Salisbury, Wiltshire County, England. And it, it has a magnificent steeple on top, but it was a little bit of uh, grandiose thinking because it was really too heavy for the supports. And when you go into the cathedral, the columns that support it are made up of a bunch of marble posts, probably about that big around, all bundled together, where you can put your head against that marble and you can see it bowed out. That rock has bowed under the weight of the steeple and they've had to do a lot of work. So uh, they supported that, but the supports weren't quite enough to hold it. So we understand about foundations. If, if you want to build anything, you need a firm foundation. So Jesus is using this that people understood to make the transference that they needed a sure foundation in their life. And we always need that. Human nature has needed that foundation, but, and I suppose every generation goes through this, but it seems like we're facing so much change in our world today. Things are so different from when many of us grew up and we can become unsettled because the, the values don't seem the same, the, the, the meanness that's going on. But when we have a firm foundation in the core principles of life, that can sustain us. Things can change all around us, but we have those principles that we rest our life upon. And so we need to be sure we develop and understand that foundation that is in Jesus Christ and that we have that code to live by. There's a lot of talk about having a code and we all have some kind of code that we live by. We, we, that code can be just our thinking. It can be how we perceive things. And that code can be how we were reared as a child, what our parents taught us. That code can be God's Word. That code is talked a lot about uh, in uh, a few good men in the Marines, about uh, the Army in this case, had a code they lived by, and the, it revolved around a code red, a wrong code. But we live by codes. We, we try to... Uh, to consolidate a pattern of living into a code. And so what are we going to rest our code of life upon? And Jesus is encouraging the people to be sure and rest it upon God's Word. God's Word is sure. It's sound. Uh, and and it, I don't understand when we don't want to live by it, I guess because we don't like what it tells us, but this word was given by the almighty creator of the universe. The all-knowing. He knows everything. He's all-present. He's always existed. He never started. He's always, he's eternal from beginning to end. He created us. We have the psalmist saved that I was wonderfully and fearfully made. You saw me in my womb. You knit me in the womb. And so God knows us inside out. He knows uniquely each and every one of us. And He knows what works for us individually. So why wouldn't we want to trust Him? 
When I was a, a, a young man as a camper at a Christian camp, we had a speaker come. And with the children, he would go through a simple logic exercise with them. And children typically are so eager to answer. And he would say, who knows, every, who knows more than anybody in the whole big wide world? And they'd shout out, God, God knows everything. And then he'd say, well, who loves better? Who loves you better than anybody, even mom and dad? And the children would shout out, God, God loves us more than anybody. Then he would say, so if God knows everything more than anybody, if God loves you more than anybody, who should be guiding your life? And it's a logical, easy description, God. God knows everything. He sees the future. He knows what's going to befall us later this afternoon, 10 years from now. He's already there. He's in our past. He's, you know, C.S. Lewis describes our life as a book. And he talks about how in, in the book, we see this page. We see right now. But God sees the whole book, and he can see it at any point in time. God sees where you've been. He knows what you've been through. He knows the hurts, the pains, the turmoil. He knows the joys and pleasures you've experienced. And he knows what's to come. He sees our life as an open book, and he can look at any part of it at any time. So he has that capability, and he loves you more deeply than anybody else could love you. More than you could love yourself, God loves you. And so it, it just logically makes sense. Well, if he knows everything and he loves me better than anyone, better than anyone could, and he proved it by dying for us, why wouldn't I want to entrust my life to him? But we don't. And so Jesus is encouraging the people and he, and he tells them that whoever hears the word and puts them into practice is a wise man. Wisdom. Wisdom is different than knowledge. Knowledge is facts. Knowledge is, is, is knowing details about some subject. Wisdom is that application. Somebody has said wisdom is seeing things from God's eye. Seeing things how God looks at them and we need that wisdom. Our, lim our vision really is so limited and it's so colored by our, our agenda, our ideas, our mistaken ideas in many cases, and it, and it colors how we view things. God in his perfect vision sees things perfectly and sees things clearly, and he wants to imbue that to us. He, Jesus said, I need to go, but if I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who will be with you, who will teach you, who will guide you. And so as a Christian, as we follow Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit infills our life, indwells us, resides within us, and is trying to instruct us. Paul warned us about quenching the Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can restrict His activity in our life. He warns us about grieving the Holy Spirit by doing those things that are anti-God in our lives. The Holy Spirit is, is a person who indwells us 
to instruct us, to comfort us, to help us, to lead us, to guide us, to give us God's wisdom. And so it is wisdom for us to listen to him and to apply his teaching to our lives. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Blessed is the one, or thank, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Whoever does not listen is the foolish man who built his house upon the sand, doomed to failure. And so Jesus is trying to lead us into this, into this understanding here. And it was an interesting thing about this time when Jesus was teaching as he was really saying to the people to think for themselves. You see, they had the religious leaders like you do, like I am today, and like we have them all around us. The men, the people 2,000 years ago were a little limited. They couldn't afford the scrolls. That was for the, the, the priests and the scribes. It was for maybe a wealthy person who could afford to pay somebody to, to copy the scrolls for them to have. But the average man of the street had no access to Holy Scripture. They had to rely on what they were taught in the synagogues and in the temples. But Jesus is still saying to ponder, to meditate, to think, and listen to God of what is real and true. Because he, he also fussed at those religious leaders about oppressing the people, about leading them astray. Earlier in our study, Jesus talked about there being false teachers among. There are some people who want the prestige of being up in front, and so they'll say what is necessary to get a crowd. So Jesus is saying, listen to the scriptures and, and pray to God and think for yourself. And that's what we need to do today. But we have a benefit. Each and every one of us probably have our own scripture. If not a book, we, have, we can have it on our phone, on our Bible. There are a multitude of books. We can turn on the internet and search for all kinds of video teaching. We have no dearth of instruction today. We're overwhelmed by it, perhaps. But we can study that and then we also have something that the ancient people didn't have, and that is, again, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not indwell people before Christ. The Holy Spirit is God, and God cannot be with a sinful person. So it was not until Jesus Christ atoned for our sin, made us clean before God, that the Holy Spirit could come in. So each and every one of us here who have called on the name of Jesus have the Holy Spirit to give us the mind of God. And if we will listen, if we will study his word and then ask him, open it up to me, Lord. Reveal what you're saying to me. Give me understanding. The Bible teaches us God desires to give understanding. He's waiting to tell us what he needs us to know. He is not the stifling part there, it is us who embrace our own thinking, who embrace our own ways instead of yielding to his teaching and his leadership. And so we have all of this at our fingertips 
that should give us even a surer foundation, but unfortunately we seem to be straying further and further away from it. We're taught over and over again to think for ourselves the scientific thought, and, and that's all right and good in its place. But God's word is truer and deeper and sure, and we need to embrace it all the more. So Jesus is encouraging his people in that way. And as, as part of wrapping up this sermon series, I wanted to kind of recap and give an outline of what we've looked at. We started with Jesus doing the Beatitudes where he said, blessed are those who. And I think part of that is, is Jesus is, is clarifying again what real blessedness is. We just think of being happy, everything going right, everything's good in the world, but Jesus gave a different slant to that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Who wants to be poor in spirit? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. On and on, he expands on that in teaching us, starting out what it means to be blessed under God, to be a, one of his children, to be under, uh, under his wings, as it were, as Jesus described himself, kind of like a mother hen, how he longed, to, to take Israel under his arms in protection and warmth and comfort. So he starts out explaining to us what blessedness is. And then he starts breaking that down as he talks to us about, uh, about lust and murder and hatred and these kind of things. And it really gets the rubber meeting the road and some of it gets very difficult and it goes against, it flies against who we are, what we want to do. I don't want to love that person who's been so mean to me. I don't want to love that enemy who's seeking to destroy me. I don't want to love that person in my office who takes every opportunity to cut me down and ridicule me. But that's what God says to do, to have love towards them. Doesn't mean be a doormat, but to show them love, to desire for them to come to know Christ to be saved. And he goes on and on teaching us the deeper, the deeper meaning of those things, and it gets kind of hard. And then as Jesus winds up the chapter, he really gives us three examples all saying the same thing. One of them, he says, lay not up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up treasures in heaven that's a little abstract. What is laying up treasures in heaven? It's not something, we, we, we understand it's not sending gold up or anything of value like that. So that we, you know, kind of takes us a little deeper. And then Jesus talks about choosing the narrow road over the wide road. Choose the, the way of Christ over the way of the world. To, to follow that path. And then finally, he's talking about here, choose your foundation. So in each of these three situations, he's teaching us we have a choice to make of choosing what we're going to follow, what we're going to use as a guide in our life. Are we going to live for the pleasures of this world, everything invested here? Or do we live storing up for glories in heaven? Do we choose the easy way and with everybody else and go the fun way? 
Or do we take the struggle, the one that takes a little deeper walk, the one that draws us closer to Him? Are we going to build our lives on something that's sure and solid and sound? Or are we going to go by, our, again, our desires, what's fun to us, what's pleasurable to us? How are we going to rear our families? What are we going to use as we rear our children? Are we going to use our wisdom? Are we going to use our knowledge? Or are we going to rest that in the truth of God's Word, coupling with our experience, our knowledge? But you see, I have to be honest. I, I don't want to trust Wes for every decision in my life. I know this guy. I know that I can wake up at 3 in the morning thinking one way, go back to sleep, wake up at 6 and be thinking another way. I know that I can be hangry one day and want to bite everybody's head off, and then I can be a happy fellow and get along with everybody. That vacillation is not something I really want to build a life on. But I can rest in His Word. And I can, when when I'm having one of those moments, I can go to His Word and get some admonishment, get some correction, or get some encouragement. Get Get a reminder that God sees me, knows what I'm going through, knows what I need, knows the struggles, knows what help I need, and will provide that as I trust Him. That's a sure foundation Not my knowledge, not my wisdom, not what I can do with my hands, but using that under His leadership, His guidance. Using that to rear my children, and and Sue and I are are very proud of our children, as you are yours. Our son is a minister of, of worship at a church. He has been for many years. Leads them in worship. His son is now following in his footsteps and and filling in for him while he's in the hospital. So our grandchildren have accepted Christ. Our daughter has been in charge of a mom's day out program, vacation Bible school, all kinds of things. And her son has accepted Christ as Savior. Her husband is a, a deacon and a trustee at their church. And so we can't take pride in ourselves, but we can rejoice that God has led us to rear them in the Word and they've chosen to make the Word central in their lives, and they're passing it down. So, yes, they listen to Dad sometimes. They don't listen to Dad sometimes. But the bottom line is they're listening to God's Word as diligently as they can. And that's the, any success there is. And so we, we choose that not for ourselves, but also for our children. So Jesus teaches us about blessedness. He teaches us how to apply that. Then he reminds us of the treasures awaiting us. He encourages us to choose. And one of the things we need to realize as Christians, and and it causes people a stumbling block because they say, well, why doesn't God fill in the blank? Why doesn't God fix this? Why doesn't God correct that? Why doesn't God not let that happen? And the God we worship has chosen to give us liberty. Liberty means He lets us choose the way we're going to go. He lets us choose Him rather than making us follow Him. 
He lets us choose Jesus Christ rather than making us succumb to who He is. But in that choice, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, we have the ability to choose poorly, to use a line from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. We can choose poorly, and when we choose poorly, we let trouble into our lives. Trouble comes from in and out, but Jesus gives us that liberty, and we rejoice in that liberty. That liberty is part of what made America strong. That's why people came to America, was for liberty. Liberty to worship, liberty to, uh, to be responsible for their own lives, their own success, and that's what's made America great, and that liberty is based in God's Word. He lays it all out for us. He's done everything for us that He could possibly do to help us know the truth. He even sent His Son to come to earth, not as a king, but as a baby, to grow up through the trials of, of, of being a human into manhood, to end up, to teach us for a while, but to end up at the hands of man, abused, tortured, and eventually put to death. Knowing his destiny, he gave it so that we could have eternal life. He knew, God knew, He taught us through all the Scriptures that we cannot attain the perfection He demands. And so He came as Himself, the perfect God-man, taking our sins upon Himself, carrying through the grave the penalty of sin is death. He paid that death price so that we could have eternal life. He did all of that so that we could have the liberty to say, God, I don't want it. God, I don't want to hear you. God, I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to do things my way. And you know what God says? Okay. But He never stops bidding. He never stops calling. He never stops waiting at the head of the road for us to return. The loving Father lets us go to choose our way always bidding, always welcoming. And so Jesus is, is laying this out to us in these chapters, but here at the end. And He says, so you have a choice to make. Will you be wise? Will you build the house of your life on solid rock, the rock of Jesus' Word? Or will you be a foolish builder for your life and build it on shifting sand? building on the whim of the day, on the fashion of the day, where you place your value in the car you drive or the clothes you wear, the job you have, how much money's in the bank. All of those are necessary things. Not, not evil. But they shouldn't be the foundation of your life. Those core principles are what we need to live by. And Jesus is laying them out in Scripture. And so it becomes incumbent upon each one of us, that old hymn, I Surrender All. Will you surrender who you are, your desires, and give them to God and let Him replace them 
with new and better desires. He wants to do good by you. He, wants, he, he says, I have come that they might have life and that more abundant. He's not looking to make you an impoverished monk in some cave in some mountain. He wants you out there sharing the riches of his word with other people. He wants you telling your friends who are, are, are lost in their way that there's a good way, that there's one who loves them, there's one who cares about them. He wants you uh, living a good life that testifies to him. But he, he knows what's best, and he wants to give it to you, but you have to yield and accept his gift. It's the choice we have. And so that's the urging today is how are we going to choose? We're getting ready to begin a new church year. We've been busy over really over the past two years getting this facility in tip-top condition. Those of you who were here a couple of years ago and before know the state it was in. Some of you who are new and, and, and appreciating how it looks now can't imagine the holes in the wall, the, the foot-deep puddles in the basement from leaks of rain, a doorway we couldn't use. God has provided, blessed, and he's given us a facility that we can use to tell the world about Jesus Christ. And so that's what our next year, that's the building we need to build, especially coming up this next year. You know, that, uh, I, I like that little thing. Here's the church, here's the steeple open it up and there's the people. That's what it's all about. And so we're at this, this, this road now, more so than ever. How can we turn aside the blessings of God, the provision of God, and not tell other people there's a place they can find Him? They, there's a place they can be accepted and loved. There's a place they can hear the Word of God. There's a place they can rejoice. There's a place they can be hugged. There's a place they can celebrate safely and enjoy. And so we're going into the next year that way. I hope you're with us. Jesus Christ is that sure foundation. He's enabled us through the Holy Spirit. He's filled us, indwelled us, empowered us. And yet, he still has to call, come follow me. He still has to bid because we still seek our own way. He, he has to say, come out of that to a better way because we want what we want. So as you live before God as you listen, as you go through your life. My prayer, our prayer for you is that you would hear that small voice saying, come aside. Build your foundation on something sure and sound. Trust in me and I will pour out riches like you've never seen before. Not gold and silver. Go deeper than that a peaceful, abundant life before God that when you come to that point of death, there is no fear because you know you're going to be ushered into his hands.